Well, hello, welcome to my study where we're going to open the Word of God together today and I hope you're doing well in these challenging times and what better moment to turn to the Word of God to find some encouragement and so today we're continuing our series uh, called Beautiful Attitudes which are based in the Beatitudes uh, found in Matthew chapter 5 and today we're going to be focusing in on Matthew 5 and verse 3 where Jesus says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth that's what we're zooming in on today and just to help us get a handle on what is going on in this particular verse we need to understand something of the context in which this verse was uttered by Jesus and so I'm just going to read some scripture around this we're going to dive into Matthew 4 and read some verses just to help us understand what's going on and because I'm now officially old I'm going to put my glasses on to read so here we go Let's read together. Matthew 5, uh, we'll start Matthew 4 and verse 20, 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and our verse for today blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth amazing amazing words and a couple of years ago I went to Israel and I got to stand on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus was uh, uttering these very words it was a, a, a hillside group in Galilee where Jesus grew up and it was amazing to see the context where he would utter these words in what are now known as the Sermon on the Mount and it would be easy for us and easy for me on that day to slip into thinking well Jesus here is just uttering some nice kind of pithy statements that we can kind of stick on our fridge he's just throwing out some nice sound spiritual sound bites on a sunny hill in Galilee and you know he's just kind of shooting the breeze with his disciples and like giving us some kind of pearls of wisdom well I want to suggest to you that there is something much more radical something much more revolutionary happening in this moment and the context of what we just read shows us this that news about Jesus was spreading all over the place because of the signs and wonders he was doing. We read there how uh, Jesus was healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. He was setting people free and people were hearing about him from all over the not just villages of Galilee but the nations around Galilee and when I was in Galilee a couple of years ago I went to stand on the top of Golan Heights which is a mountain range where literally you can see Israel surrounded by the nations 
And so, um, you know, you've, you've in modern day Israel, you've got Iraq, you've got Jordan, you've got Syria, you've got Lebanon, you've got Egypt, all pretty much on your doorstep, literally surrounded by the nations. And people were coming out of the nations around Israel to hear this penniless preacher from Galilee, a northern backwater town, preach this message. Why? Because they'd seen the spiritual, supernatural authority that rested on his life. And so this part of the world in this moment is in is fermenting with this kind of spiritual expectation and hunger. And as the crowds gather, this melting pot of kind of religious beliefs and people from different parts of the country and the nations, Jesus starts to unveil his kingdom manifesto. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is not just moralizing. He's not just giving us some moral teaching. Jesus here is showing us, A, what God is really like, and B, what his kingdom really looks like. That's what's happening here in the Sermon on the Mount. He's showing us a picture of God and therefore his kingdom and those who are part of his kingdom. And it was totally revolutionary to those that were hearing these words as it is for us today. And, you know, I sometimes wonder at the moment, what would Jesus say if he dropped into a kind of post-Brexit, post-Trump, COVID-ravaged world with all of its kind of politicized tribalism, with all the kind of polarization that's going on, with all the particular uh, pressures and challenges of this moment that we're now in. What, what would Jesus say to us about the way forward? the way out, the way we progress from this moment that we find ourselves now in as a culture. Well, I believe Jesus would say the very same words that he said to the crowd on the hillside in that moment. And our verse for today is this, blessed, which means happy. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And Today, I want us to see two key things in that statement. Number one, the recipient, which are the meek, and the prize, which is the earth. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, the recipients, for they shall inherit something, which is the prize, called the earth. So let's look at those two things together, and we're actually going to start with the prize first, with the earth and why that mattered and still does matter so much. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who instantly would have been hooked by his message that they were going to inherit the earth. Because for the average Jewish listener, inheriting and possessing the land was everything. Because it rooted them straight back into all of the history of promises that God had made to Israel that started with their kind of forefather, Abraham, where God called Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a land and you are going to possess the land and you are going to, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so God starts by promising Abraham a land, uh, subsequently gives that same promise to to his sons Isaac and then his son Jacob and then through Joshua 
as he leads the people into the land. They take possession of the land and the 12 tribes of Israel are each given portions of the land. And there are promises attached to the land that you are, as a people, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God and you're going to dwell in the land and you will dwell in safety. And each each family will have his own fig tree to sit under his own vine to tend you'll live in the land in peace as long as you follow me but also there were conditions that if you turn to idols the land itself will vomit you out and ultimately that's what happened to Israel they turned to other gods they forgot Yahweh they forgot God and they went into 70 years of captivity and exile in Babylon and then gradually began to return under leaders like Ezra and Nehemiah, but still living in a land that was occupied by foreign powers, whether it was Persians or in Jesus' time, the Romans. So Israel was in the land, but they were an occupied nation. And yet there was this longing for the land because it represented living in a time of peace and shalom and favor. And there were all sorts of people in the crowd that would have been listening to Jesus thinking, great, Jesus. So we're going to inherit the land. How are we going to inherit it? And they all would have had different ideas about how they were going to take possession of the land. So, for example, you would have had a group called the Zealots. Now, they were the kind of crazy radicals who wanted to take the land by force. They were kind of they wanted it it through violent revolution. They wanted to overthrow the Romans, kick them out. We had the Sadducees in the crowd, a religious group that actually didn't really believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in the spirit world. Uh, They were quite rational materialists. They wanted to take the land by kind of blending in and kind of cohabiting with the Romans. Or you had a group called the Essenes and the Essenes were kind of very monastic. They wanted to flee the world and go into the caves and and create kind of religious bunkers where they could forget the world and just create their own little communities. And again, they were the kind of the escapists. We're going to take the land by just burying our head in the sand and doing our own thing. Or then you had the Pharisees who we read about in the New Testament. And the Pharisees were the kind of religious legalists, the one who felt superior to all the other nations and who wanted to follow God's word, but also follow the traditions that they had created for men and women to follow. They were the legalists. And so they all would have been straining to hear Jesus How are we going to take possession of the land? Is it by violence or escaping or through legalism or religion? And Jesus flat out offends all of them. And he says, guys, you are not going to inherit the land by escaping, by blending in through compromise. You're not going to take it by force. You're not going to take it by any of these means. Actually, it's through meekness that you're going to inherit the promises of God. Meekness. And that would have had all of them scratching their heads. Maybe it's got you scratching your head. And so let's turn to the second part of our question today, which is, well, if the prize is the earth, then what did Jesus mean by meekness? The meek will inherit the earth. And to understand what Jesus meant by meekness here, we actually need to dive back into Psalm 37, where most commentators say Jesus is directly quoting from, because Psalm 37 verse 11 literally says this very same thing. It says, the meek 
will possess the land or inherit the earth. And so Jesus is quoting Psalm 37, 11. And as was the way in Jewish thought, if you quoted one verse from a psalm, you were meant to think about the rest of the message in that psalm. As I've said before, it's like quoting a well-known song lyric. All you need is love. You know, you quote one line and you think about the rest of the song. Well, that's what's happening here. Jesus is quoting Psalm 37, verse 11. Of course, it didn't have verses in those days. And it was meant to push you back to read Psalm 37 to find a definition of meekness, which we find in verses 5 to 8. Here's what we read. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your vindication as the light and your right as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over him who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, for it tends only to evil. We see at least three qualities here about meekness from Psalm 37. Here's the first quality of those that are meek. They trust God. They trust God. We see there, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. You know, meek people are those that trust God. They commit their way to him. And that word commit literally means to roll away or to roll onto. And the idea is that those who trust in God and commit their way literally roll all of their hopes, all of their desires, all of their dreams, all of their confidence onto God. They are those that have put all their eggs in one basket. It's God or bust. We are just all in. We are leaning our full weight into God. We trust him. We're rolling everything into him. And I wonder if that characterizes you and I in this season are you one who is living today saying father i trust you in all the challenges i just roll all of my confidence onto you that describes meek people they trust god in fact they trust god often more than they trust themselves they're leaning into god's faithfulness god's character god's mercy you know i read of a a missionary once who went to an unreached tribe and he was trying to describe to them the meaning of the word trust he was trying to describe what it looked like to trust in Jesus, but they had no word in their vocabulary for trust because they lived in a very dog-eat-dog culture where you betrayed one another. There was no such word as trust. And so he tried to find a way to describe what trust looked like. And so he he took a three-legged stool, took one of the legs off and sat on the stool. And of course, the stool fell over with him on it. And he said, this is what mistrust looks like. But then he put the third leg of the stool on and sat on the stool. And he said, this is what trusting in Jesus looks like. You put your whole weight on him and he will never let you down. Friends, that's trust. is leaning our whole weight onto Jesus. Trusting that he is for us, not against us, even in the most challenging of moments. It's that, that verse in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So a question for you and I in this season. Are you more trusting or more self-reliant?
Well, Jesus is saying, listen, guys, you are going to receive the promises through trust, through meekness. The second quality of meekness in Psalm 37 is what we see in the next verse, which says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So the next thing about meek people is that they are still. They wait patiently. They are trusting that God will bring about his promises in his time, in his way, with his wisdom. They wait patiently for the Lord. I don't know about you, but I find that a huge, huge challenge to wait in stillness for God to act. You know, and so often I find I have to come to the end of my own resources before I just finally I stop and I find stillness and I say, God, I'm just going to wait for you to show up. You know, and the thing about meek people, it's not that meek people are lazy, but rather it's that they're free from frenzy. And again, does that describe you? Are you someone who is free from frenzy, but you patiently understand that it's in quietness and rest that your salvation is going to come? Meet people wait for the Lord. They trust in his omnipotence. They trust in his goodness. They wait in prayer. They learn how to have stillness in their own heart. They learn how to quiet their own minds so that they can hear the voice of God speak to them. So I wonder for you, when you think about what success looks like in your life, whether it's in your career or your relationships or your family um, or, or, or your reputation or your dreams, how are you going to achieve success? Is it through striving and self-efforts or is it through quietly waiting on God to fulfill his promises in your life? Well, the meek are going to inherit the earth. So we've seen two things so far. The meek trust are trusting. Secondly, that the meek are those who wait. It's about waiting. But thirdly, meekness is about refraining. This is what we see next. It says, fret not yourself over him who prospers in his way. Fret not yourself. So thirdly, we see that the meek refrain from anger. They stop fretting. They are those that have made peace that God is the just judge. And even when they see wicked people prospering, they are at peace because they know they can trust God to do the right thing. Um, Meek people tend to be those that have a lot of patience. They are not defensive. They are not easily offended. Meek people tend not to be judgmental. Meek people tend to believe the best of others. Meek people tend to have a very long fuse and give space for God to work. They wait, they trust, they believe, they love. This is what Jesus is saying. The meek, these kind of people are going to inherit the earth. You know, I I read a a great little uh, blog post from a friend of mine, David Campbell, this week, and this is what he wrote. He said, I was thinking the other day of a battle I won simply because I didn't fight it. More than once, I have been sorely tempted to wade into the fray on my own behalf. After all, in my thinking, I had been badly treated. Why shouldn't I feel free to point it out or do something about it? Every time I got to that point, the Lord arrested me. If my life belongs to him, then so do all my battles. When I get involved, I never know how much of my cause is really just and how much is my own injured pride or self-interest. And then there's King Jehoshaphat. 
He was the guy who came up with the bright idea of sending his worship team out to do battle instead of his army. And as a result, he won a battle just because he never actually fought it. If someone has treated you wrongly, you have two choices, either get even or forgive. And when I forgive, I hand the situation and the person over to the Lord. The God who forgave me requires me to do the same to others. I love that. You've got two choices, get even or forgive. And Jesus says, listen, the meek, those who choose to forgive, those who choose not to fret, not to hold on to offenses, not to uh, walk into judgment and superiority over others, but those who release, who forgive, who love, who trust, who pray for others. Those are the ones, says Jesus, who are going to inherit the earth. So we see three things about meekness. Meekness is trusting, it's waiting, and it's refraining. Three things. And in conclusion, Jesus says the meek are going to inherit the earth. Jesus here is reframing the promise to Israel. He's saying, actually, this is no longer just about one nation inheriting a land. It's about a people who belong to God from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, inheriting not just a land, not just a piece of geography, but inheriting the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, there is a bigger promise. And the promise is this, that for all those who are part of my kingdom, they are going to inherit the whole earth. And in fact, one day scripture says that the, the earth is going to be made brand new. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to wrap up this planet with all of its frustrations and pains and imperfections. And he is going to make all things brand new. And it will be the saints of the Most High who will inherit the new heavens and the new earth as they co-rule and reign with their Saviour and King, Jesus Christ. That is the promise here for all of those who are meek and part of God's kingdom. You're going to inherit the earth. And notice that word inherit. Inherit is not something you've worked hard for. Listen, anything that you obtain through self-effort, you are going to have to maintain through self-effort. But here Jesus says, the meek will inherit. They will be given for free the earth. In other words, this is not about something that you and I do. We don't fight for the land. We don't try and occupy the land. We don't try and do anything by force. Actually, we wait in quietness and rest and trust and prayer believing that one day we will inherit, we will be given a new heavens and a new earth by God himself. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Right now, in our moment of restriction, where many of us are restricted to our homes, yet we live with this promise, one day, if we live in meekness, we're going to inherit the whole earth. And on that day, there will be no restrictions. And ultimately, friends, we are following the one who didn't just teach about meekness on this hillside. He modelled meekness. He was the embodiment of meekness. And the saviour that we follow is the one who came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, meek and lowly. We come to the one who, though he could have worn the crown, he threw his crown down. He laid his life down. He became nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. We are following the humble, beautiful servant God, Jesus, who now, says Philippians, has been crowned with many crowns. He has been given the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Our meek saviour, because of his sacrifice, has now become the king of many nations. And so this is the one that we follow. What would Jesus say to us if he was in this current cultural moment? I believe he would say the same thing that he said 2000 years ago. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God bless you as you think about these things.